We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Thursday evening. We appreciate all of you who are uh, staying up late tonight and uh, joining us. So I know there's some Stanley Cup finals enthusiasts watching hockey. I know there was or, or some uh, college softball talk on, on the timeline today as well. So uh, I appreciate all of you sticking up uh, or staying up, I should say, and uh, watching us, especially if you're on the East Coast where it's uh, 11 p.m. right now. So uh, excited to dive in today with uh, my guy Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing very well. Congratulations to Oklahoma's softball team on their 53rd straight win and third straight title. Um, that's pretty impressive. I don't, I don't know if that's something that's ever been happened before, but at least it sounds like that's a record. Um, 53 wins would be nice uh, in a row uh, for the Chargers. So if they want to do that anytime, no problem with me. Um, I'm very tired. A uh, long day for sure. 8 p.m. start tonight for us. I know it's some people for you guys. It's 11 o'clock. I see Kelsey. It's 11 p.m. So respect over there. Um, hope wherever you are that the the smog and the fires and such, um, yeah. like in New York, for example, aren't bugging you too much. Um, Jake says 12:30 in the afternoon here in South Australia. Uh, I'm going to assume you know the Thunder Down Under podcast. They were fantastic. Um, and then, do you know the Weekly Planet podcast or Mr. Sunday Movies? I, I love them very much. Another Australian podcast, but that's more for movies and that sort of stuff. Anyway, I'm doing great, Stephen. How are you? 
I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, obviously summer vacation is is coming up around the corner. So um, I, I work at a year round school, so we we don't get a ton of time off for summer vacation. We get two weeks, um, which is good for us. Um, but Brooke is very, very excited to get into summer vacation. You know, we're going to spend some time down in uh, Newport and Disneyland in the next couple of weeks. So we're excited about that. Um, yeah, we have uh, Eamon Hughes in the chat as well from Canada, obviously wishing everybody very well uh, in Canada dealing with the fires that is uh, you know leading to the smoke on the East Coast. So hopefully, uh, if you are a listener in Canada, you are safe and sound, you know, there's no damage to your house or anything like that. So um, definitely thinking and praying for anybody up in Canada that's dealing with those uh, wildfires. Obviously, we know uh, a lot about that being uh, some California residents. <laughs> me and you so you know hopefully everything's okay up there in canada yeah hope so all right so uh we are okay so eamon's in western canada so um very far away from the fires then so very good for him and jacob b in the chat and he says he's chilling in canada so um appreciate you guys for tuning in um all right so today we are uh going to uh tier the chargers offensive players um essentially trying to figure out where these guys you know, stack up around the league. Um, this is a really fun exercise that we do every single year, um, or at least for the last three years. Um, you know, just trying to figure out where, you know, guys like Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, obviously, and it really will we'll tier everybody, right? That's that's at least notable. We're not going to talk a ton about uh, undrafted free agents on today's show, but um, trying to make cases for who's an all pro, who's a solid starter, who maybe has some upside more than is being talked about. Um, and I think we'll have a, a, a great conversation uh, tonight. So um, before we get started, there's not a ton of OTA news that I, I wanted to mention on. But uh, the biggest thing is obviously that Justin Herbert has started to throw at OTAs and uh, apparently looked amazing in OTAs, launching some deep bombs uh, in practice this week. And uh, there was obviously the video of uh, Kellen Moore mic'd up. You know, they're going to let it rip this year. And that was apparently very evident at OTAs this week with Justin Herbert, uh, you know, back and throwing and, and being healthy uh, so far. Yeah, it was great to see him. I could tell even with like East and Stick, they're working on some scramble drills where, you know, some interior pressure or whatever, spin out of it, move out of it, whatever. And then you can see the receivers just get upfield. Like if, if, if there's some sort of pressure, go. Herbert's going to roll out and hit you. And so I love seeing that they're working on that because – yeah, I mean, Herbert can rip it. He can rip it from any part of the field. Uh, and so worst case scenario, things aren't working. Just just go that way, and he's going to get it to you. It's really cool to see them working on that. Yeah, definitely. Those those scramble drills are super, super important. Um, not a ton of wide receiver representation at OTAs this week. Um, Quentin Johnson has been uh, apparently taking the week off. Obviously, Mike Williams hasn't been there. Um, so the starting wide receiver trio apparently this week has been Keenan, uh keelan doss and john hightower um and then pokey williams was the one who got that <laughs> touchdown from the spin out so uh mm -hmm. we'll get a bigger grasp obviously of where things are really at um at mandatory minicamp next week um you know when that starts to kick off obviously austin eckler will have to be back there um and you know we'll see everybody back at practice next week so that that should be fun to see uh quentin taking it off for an injury or um, Daniel Popper did not specify if there was a specific injury. Mm -hmm. Um, Jacob e also asking about Josh Palmer. Palmer apparently is dealing with some kind of injury. 
I assume it's minor or else we would probably know about it at this point. Um, so there's just some nicks and bruises that these guys are dealing with, unfortunately, early on. And it's just not worth it to push it in the spring. So um, Darius Davis was back at practice for what it's worth. Um, he was not at practice last week. Hmm. So just some kind of moving parts, which is to be expected at this time of the year. Yeah. Well, that's why you're going to keep six wide receivers on the roster, hopefully, because shit happens. So hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. So uh, again, we'll see what how things progress with Justin Herbert, but obviously great news that he's back throwing full time. Um, and that should continue through the rest of the summer. Uh, Daniel Popper seeming to think that Herbert is not going to have any physical limitations by the time training camp rolls around, which is really the the big thing, the big goal for uh, mm-hmm. him this summer. So excited to see that one come to fruition. Love it. Um, all right, before we get started, too, I should mention, I should have mentioned this earlier, uh, Tyler got to interview Morgan Fox today. Um, had a great conversation with him, and uh, I'm excited for you guys to to catch that. That'll be dropping tomorrow on the channel, so uh, stay tuned there. But Tyler, you want to give the people a little maybe tease for what you guys talked about? Uh, we didn't talk about contract situations of the Jaguars, so there's a start to that. It was fun. Uh, Morgan Fox is an absolute nice guy, of course. Um I mean, there was something that Joey Bosa said on Drew's podcast that I wanted to talk to any pass rusher about. So I talked to Morgan about that. Um, talked about a certain four-man front that's been very effective in the league for the Chargers um, compared to the rest of the league. Actually, second best in pressure rate at almost 70%. So check out that. Uh, talked about hot ones. Talked about Winston. You know, all that sort of stuff. So uh, Jay Rogers and Coach Ed, that sort of thing. So um, learned a little bit, learned a lot, um, even like weight fluctuations and how those things change throughout the course of a season. I like learning stuff from these guys, and he had a lot to share. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, the Hot Ones thing, I'm super excited to see season two of that. I love the pairings that they were uh, able to bring about this time. We'll see Quentin Johnson and Deion Henley, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, Herbert and Stick. I think Herbert was like in literal tears in that <laughs> picture that they showed. Yeah. So I love Hot Ones, and I think it's going to be really fun uh, to see season two this year. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, Herbert, it's like, do they, do they have to like fake it so he wins and makes it all the way to the <laughs> end? Because like, what if he doesn't make it? And then, you know, Joe Burrow goes out and eats all the Hot Ones or something, you know? So we'll see. Morgan Fox and Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, he didn't tell me. But it sounds like I think they made it all the way through. Um, I asked if they had to practice the next day. And he said, no, thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was apparently a bit rough. So, yeah, really curious to see what the, how things go. But, yeah, I can't imagine practicing. I think they had to lift the next day is what he said. Um, Sebastian so. should have a very high uh, spice tolerance, though. I mean, he's, he's yeah. Haitian. Like, he should, he should be able to tolerate that stuff. I think – all the trench guys are no problem. Like I'd imagine it's just like whatever for them. Um, yeah. Justin and Easton stick though. Uh, North Dakota state, not a ton of uh, <laughs> spicy food up in North Dakota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Buffalo ranch or something. Maybe but that's about it. I remember. Uh, I mean, nobody I think was worse than Eckler last year. Eckler was like <laughs> literally drenched in sweat for that episode. Yeah. Um, and then Kilo Mac the whole time. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> so excited to see season two. Yeah, definitely. All right. So uh, let's dive in here. Um, this is kind of an extension of what we talked about with Daniel Popper um, on the Chargers feed on Tuesday. So. Um, if you missed that, we kind of drafted, um, you know, from the Chargers roster as if we were 
um, you know, expansion teams. And so you can kind of figure out where we might kind of stack up these players. But, um, you know, this time we're going to have specific tiers for where the Chargers are, are kind of at around the league. So we're going to have, you know, an all pro tier, a Pro Bowl tier. And we'll, we'll explain all of this for our audio audience as usual. Um, you know, we have a quality starter. We have a plus, uh, a C plus group, which is average starter with some upside, um, flat out average starter, a role player or backup, and then obviously the roster bubble. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on the bubble guys. Um, you know, we'll figure out exactly where we want to stack those guys up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the bulk of where we're at is really trying to figure who is an all pro, who's a pro bowler, and who can the Chargers really rely upon to be, you know, quality starters in this exercise. So, uh, Tyler, where do you want to start with, uh, with this year's group? Oh man, it's tough not to go for, you know, the quarterback here. There's definitely some bubble players we could get out of the way to clean this up. Um, let's go with Rashawn Slater because you've been watching him recently. So, uh, nobody's been watching more Rashawn Slater so far than, well, Rashawn Slater, Duke Manyweather, and then probably Steven. Um, so, <laughs> I, I do feel like Rashawn Slater is walking into the NFL, like into his third season, one of the best tackles in the league. The difference really becomes, do we feel like that injury last year? Like clearly going into last season, maybe one tackle in the league is better than him. Two, three, maybe at most. Um, but now, you know, with that injury, I'm really curious where you would have him because there's kind of a distinction between, yes, he's an all pro versus he can be one, you know, like, yeah, is he a bona fide all pro in your eyes? Or is he just like a guy who can definitely be one and obviously has been one? But do it? Does he need to show that again first? Yeah. One of the interesting things in the NFL season and offensive line play, um, Tristan Wirfs going from right tackle to left tackle. So making the left tackle sure. group, uh, you know, I, I think it's ridiculous, but I think he'll be able to handle it because I, I think you could have drafted him as a left tackle. But um, this idea that you're going to take arguably the best right tackle and move him to the left tackle because you can't draft another tackle is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I bring that up because the left tackle group obviously becomes, you know, a little bit more um, stacked, if you will, at the top. Um, right tackle group, less so. Obviously, you're taking uh, away somebody who is either first or second at the position. So, Mm-hmm. There is a ton of quality left tackles right now. I think this is probably, you know, a really high quality state of left tackle play. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Andrew Thomas and Slater are certainly kind of coming into their own and really figuring things out. Um, so I went back and rewatched both games that he f- started and finished um, in 2023. And then I've watched uh, basically seven games from 2021. Um, just wanted to go back and get a feel for like, how much did he really grow? Like, you know, it had been a minute, obviously, since, since I had watched him play sure. as a rookie. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a damn shame that he got hurt because mm-hmm. I think if he had stayed healthy last year, he was on the trajectory to be at the point right now at this moment in June of 2023, where we'd be talking about him as the guy to maybe challenge Trent Williams as the best left tackle on football. Like it's been Trent for the last few seasons where he's a unanimous, you know, uh, first team all pro kind of player and deservedly so. But I think Rashawn is on that kind of trajectory where he's going to be the the best left tackle in football at some point down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's because Trent retires or he kind of takes a step back. 
I think what he brings to the table as a pass protector and as a run blocker is just so unique in the things that he is able to do because Trent Williams wins with a lot of like brute force and athleticism, but Rashawn is so technically refined. And even going back to his rookie season, I loved seeing how he would handle like losing a rep. And you could see it mm-hmm. against Chase Young. You could see it against uh, Chandler Jones in week one from this past season. You could see it against Miles Garrett in 2021. He never lost the same way twice to anybody. And, you know, there's a rep early on in week five for the, for the Browns game where Miles Garrett got him pretty good on a spin move. But you could tell that Slater was just on it. on the, Every single spin move that Miles Garrett tried from then on, mm-hmm. he was ready for it. He was anticipating. So he's so smart. He's so technically refined. And then he's also a unique athlete. So yeah. um, I bring this all up to say, honestly, Rashawn Slater might be the best player on the Chargers. And I know he I did agree. not finish the game, like finish the season. But I, I like I love Justin Herbert. I think mm-hmm. Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback. But I think Rashawn Slater is better at his position than anybody else on the Chargers. And that might be a hot take for some. But if you really dive in and watch his film, what he's able to do on a week-to-week basis is crazy to me. And we saw it right away as a rookie where mm-hmm. he's just dominant against Chase Young and Montez Sweat and those guys throughout Miles Garrett. You know, even watching Week 18, which it was my first time watching Week 18 back, um, <laughs> he was so good in that game mm-hmm. and pass blocking like 75 times in that game. So, um I love Rashawn Slater, man. To me, he's the best player on the Chargers, and he's absolutely an all-pro. I think he's going to be discussed as the best left tackle in football very, very soon. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't disagree there, and I don't think that's a hot take. Um, I think we even, either on our Q&A or on the Chargers pod or whatever, like, yeah, Herbert's the, the MVP of the team. He's the most yes. important player on the team, of course. 100%. That's not a question. But Rashawn Slater, position by position and where he ranks – it is very close, you know. I think because I think Herbert is like maybe like fourth, could be third, but you're talking about Rashawn Slater who could be first or second, and Herbert right now isn't first or second. He's certainly not first, uh, and I, I don't think he has enough of a case just yet to be considered second. And that's just because of what happened last year with the injuries and all that sort of stuff. Chargers fans know it, you know it. Um, so I would understand. I think people remember that Trey Pipkins was Duke Manyweather's or one of his most improved players during camp or their, their off season or whatever. Another guy he mentioned was Rashawn Slater. Yeah. <laughs> like, so crazy to think about, but we're just disgusting. We were, yeah. That chiefs game from this year, from 2022 mm-hmm. was, I think the best game I've seen of a Chargers offensive tackle in my life. Like he destroyed the chiefs in week two last year. Yeah. And I'm sure that was some combination of like Carl Loftus who ended up having a really good season. Frank, Clark. Frank Clark at that point. I don't remember if he was, heard that game or maybe it's the second game um mm. still obviously talent there and he's just fantastic so it sounds like you're putting him in all pro and yeah. um definitely it's funny because it's like yeah there's a wait and see because you do want to see him back out there but like he can do it i don't have any question that he would be maybe someone votes differently of course um and i would understand why they go trent williams and then some other guy and then slater or whatever but um, you know, for me, considering all pro, it's a guy who's top three at his position, and it kind of just depends on voting. So, yeah, I'm fine putting Rashawn Slater at all pro. And, and I think that he might 
hot take be the only one in that category, mm. which sounds rough, but we did just talk about how you feel about Slater compared to Herbert and Herbert's rankings at quarterback. Um, I mean, I guess we could talk about that now, but then the show would be over because that's the one everyone's <laughs> waiting for. We'll save Herbert. We'll save Herbert for sure. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the receivers next. Um, okay. I'll start throwing being... on the board. Okay. So we'll, obviously Keenan and Mike Williams there. Yeah. Um, very difficult to kind of devy them up, if you will, because, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Williams statistics are best in like the first eight weeks of the season. That's when Keenan Allen was not playing. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen's statistics were really, really good down the home stretch of the season, but Mike Williams wasn't really super healthy. So where are you at? Let's start with Keenan in, in mm-hmm. particular. Where are you at with him in terms of, you know, his rankings? Because, you know, some people still think that he's an elite player. I think PFF did like the top 32 and had him like 23rd or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you at with Keenan and his kind of status around the league right now? I so I think last when we did this, we talked about him as barely in that top 10. And I think we had a, a bit of a disagreement between like us and Alex because it's not that Keenan really didn't earn it statistically last year or the previous mm-hmm. season. Um, and it was more just kind of based on how everybody else views him around the league. Because then you ask everybody else, and of course he's a top 10 receiver, but you, you want to go with the statistics at some point. It's tough for me to parse between. First of all, he's not in the C-plus tier, average starter or whatever. It really comes down to Pro Bowl contender versus quality starter. I do think that he is uniquely unlike the other two starting receivers. And I do feel like because of his connection with Justin Herbert, I mean, I've been going back to like old stuff and it's, you know, Herbert's doing some funky stretch and and Keenan's helping him or they're doing that thing where like Keenan holds his legs and Herbert like goes down like to the floor and back up. And they're just laughing and having a good time. Watch them in the Dolphins game and they're pointing and smiling at each other. I just think maybe he's not just putting everybody up a a top 10 receiver in the league. But I feel that we almost got something incredibly special last year that we only really saw in in the second half, really the last third-ish of the season. And those numbers do indicate that he is a top 10 receiver. So now it really just comes down to, can we get that the entire year? I think with Herbert healthy, I think with Keenan generally being him, his same self and with Kellen Moore and hopefully help, you know, around him to take some things off of him. I actually would put Keenan in pro bowl contender still. I, I think that this offense does enough to move him in that tier. And I think because Herbert loves him so significantly, I think that does push him into their over quality starter. Yeah, so just kind of going over those numbers that Tyler is referencing. So from weeks 10 to 18, because uh, Keenan came back in week 7 and then he re-injured his hamstring again. So week 10 is officially when he came back and was starting and, and taking his whole uh, workload, if you will, from then on out. Obviously, Mike Williams missed some games in there too. So um, either way, uh, Keenan Allen from weeks 10 to 18 last season was 6th in targets. He was 5th in receptions, 7th in receiving yards. 13th in yards after catch per reception, which I thought was a big surprise. Um, He was 11th in yards per route run, which is definitely not a surprise. That's who Keenan is. He was fourth in first downs generated and ninth in passer rating when targeted. So coming off of the most serious injury of, of the last six years for him, you know, pretty serious hamstring injury. 
he was he was putting up like top 10 numbers, like bona fide top 10 numbers. Again, Mike Williams was not in the lineup at that point um, mm. for, you know, outside of maybe the last two or three games. Um, but Keenan Allen was performing at an incredibly high level still at that point. So if he stays healthy, I mean, I, I know it's a big if. I don't see any reason why he couldn't make a Pro Bowl, honestly. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. going to be the number one target. Maybe he doesn't put up, you know, 100 catches. But, you know, if he is, you know, 95 catches and 1,200 yards and, you know, six to eight touchdowns like he always is, but it's the best offense in football or a top five offense in football, like, there's definitely a chance where Keenan mm-hmm. Allen uh, is a Pro Bowler. So, I would have him in there. I think we've seen enough of his chemistry with Justin Herbert to think that, you know, he can definitely outperform the rest of the other receivers in this yeah. offense. Um, you know, worst case is he's he's a quality starter. But I, do, I think there's enough here, like you're talking about, with between him and Justin, the offense is better, you know, better offensive coordinator, healthier offensive line, that Keenan – is still a Pro Bowl contender. Not necessarily guaranteeing that he'll be one, but I think he'll absolutely challenge for one. And like he's going to have a ton of fan voting. Like he's going to be a fantasy superstar again, like he right. always is. So I agree. I would have Keenan Allen still as a Pro Bowl contender. Yeah. It's funny because he got hurt for so much of the year and we had him in a, a top 10 last year. Granted, it's a slightly different category. And then we still kind of have him here. It's just, it's just that chemistry with Herbert. It's, it's that unique thing that he has. Um, so I guess the question, and I guess it sort of answers itself, Mike Williams would then fall into quality starter at that point. Yeah. So his, his advanced numbers are not as good. I think if you look at his raw statistics from week one to seven, like you see, uh, uh, you know, a very productive wide receiver, certainly, um, from weeks one to seven, he was tied for 11th in reception, ninth in yards. Um, mm-hmm. he was 15th in yak per reception. But then he was 38th in yards per route run. He was tied for 17th in first rounds generated. Hmm. So it's it's a lot of dependence, obviously, on raw statistics. But from like a play to play efficiency rating, that's that's where Mike is is and his game is going to suffer a little bit. And that's why we see hmm. you know kind of the ups and downs where one week he'll have eight for 140 and two, and then the next week it's like four catches yeah. and 50 yards. Right. Okay, so Pro Bowl contender, quality starter, not Mr. Quentin Johnston. Yeah, um, I think we could leave him where he's at, honestly. I, would um, I think worst case for him is obviously that you put him in the C average starter tier. Mm-hmm. But upside for Quentin Johnston, I mean, what if one of these guys gets, gets hurt? Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about a, a potential 1,000-yard season for him, so... Um, I we we don't know enough to say he's a quality starter at this point. So I think for me, right. average starter with upside is is absolutely fair for him. Yep, I would agree. Cool. Um, should we just knock out the rest, the other receiver too, and talk about Josh Palmer? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll throw up Josh Palmer. I'll grab uh, Jalen Guyton and um, where's Darius's this? next? Yeah, there we go. Okay, so Palmer, this has kind of become a hot topic on uh, Chargers social media. Um, we're both big fans of Josh Palmer, but where would you yeah. put him here? Okay, so hmm, obvious. Okay, so the obvious thing is he's not a starter for the Chargers right now. Um, but putting him in in, in role player or backup would be a joke. 
Um, I truly think, given the unique stretch of three-ish games that he had, where Lombardi went, let's try to feature him a bit more. He really did look like an average starter with upside. I mean, you're talking about he had the game winner against Atlanta. There was a penalty that got called back. And so he set up another game winner against Atlanta. Great Niners game. You know, 100-something yards, two touchdowns. Against, like, 100-something yards and two touchdowns against the Chiefs in prime time was the kind of the reason they were in that game. You want a, a shallow crosser. You want a slant. You want a go ball. You want a corner. It was all there. And so anyone who can walk in and have that much um, to show – despite all the injuries in that offense with a hurt quarterback, I think he does fall into average start with upside. Um, it's just a very different upside than Quentin Johnson um, in terms of skill sets um, and, then, and just what we've seen. But I would I would put him in, in average start with upside. He did rip off almost like 800 yards last year. Yeah, I think that's fair for him as well. Um, I was trying to figure out when was his, like, the games that he played, like um... – because Keenan Allen came back in week 10. You're talking about when he had to start like by himself? Yeah, when he was like when he was like the guy. Uh definitely Atlanta. Um, week seven. Nine. I think seven was the Seahawks. And then everyone died going into the bye week. because uh, Mike got hurt that game and Keenan. So bye week was week eight. Yeah. And then, so I think the Niners game, or no, excuse me, the Falcons game in week eight. And then week nine against the Niners, basically by himself. The numbers weren't great that game, but if you watch the film, it's like, he's wide open. He's wide open. Oh, but Foster Sarrell gave up a pressure. Foster Sarrell gave up a hit. So you know, the classic one that Dolphins fans are using, we're like, oh, Herbert threw an interception to end that game. <laughs> Palmer was wide open. He just got his arm hit. So there's no yeah. protection. Okay, so, so I think I, I think I have the the right stretch of games on PFF now. Okay, okay. So weeks nine through thirteen, because Mike Williams came back in week thirteen. Right. Uh, Josh Palmer was forty-one targets, which was seventh in the league at the time. Again, this is uh, this is a five-week stretch, so very limited sample size, right? But forty-one mm-hmm. targets, seventh most in the league. He was 31 receptions, which was sixth most in the league. He was uh, 372 yards, uh, tied with CeeDee Lamb and Terry McLaurin for seventh most in the league. Uh, Let's look at yards per route run. He was... He'll be lower there. Yeah, he'll be lower there. He was 28th. Okay. So that's Brandon Cooks, A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, Devontae Smith territory. So that is, oh, let's look at first down generated too, because I like that statistic. Okay, first downs generated. He was, he generated 20 first downs in that time, which was also tied with CD Lamb for seventh most in the league. So when he was being featured, he was playing at a really high level. Um, you know, I know that this is like people are not crazy about him, and I, I understand like he's not a wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. But I think he is a starter with upside. I don't think he's just a starter. Like, I think this is a guy who can come in at any moment and function as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three player. So um, I understand why so many people wanted a first round wide receiver. But when Josh Palmer was healthy and featured, he was producing at, at easily a top 20 level uh, statistically. So I think Chargers fans should be more excited about Josh Palmer than they have been. Yeah. It's also tough too because you're watching 
you know, his quarterback was hurt. Obviously, Palmer had two concussions, I believe, that season. Several, like I think, like three different lower body injuries. And maybe that's yeah. why you can't, you know, like next year, we couldn't call him a guy with upside because maybe he just like is his injuries always pop up. Something's always up, so he's an average starter. But um, I mean, it's unfortunate we'll never get to see him as the wide receiver, you know, two or three potentially yeah. in in a Kellen Moore offense um, rather than just the guy who's out to run curls and that's about it. Um, yeah, so, so I, I I do think Eddie brings up a good point. Like you look at the playoff game, mm. um, Keenan Allen didn't really produce a whole lot either. That to me was more like game plan related, honestly. But mm-hmm. um, Josh Palmer was pretty heavily one-on-one against Tyson Campbell, who's an ascending corner in this league. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing with Palmer, right? Is like he, when giving opportunities, he will produce. Mm-hmm. But if he has to go up against a top-tier corner, like, yeah, yeah it's not going to go that well. Um, but, you know, right now he's the wide receiver four on the Chargers. And um, I think we should be, you know, more happy with that because I think he's a really good player. Yeah, 100%. He just doesn't have that X factor thing. Not yet, at least. Maybe there is something down the road, but he's not Keenan Allen's the route runner. He's not Quentin Johnson after the catch. He's not Mike Williams with the ball in his hands. He's not as fast as Jalen Guyton. So it's just kind of like, I mean, again, an excellent wide receiver for. Yeah, uh, starter with upside sounds good to me. Um, I think we can put both Guyton and Darius Davis in the role player or backup. Yeah. Um, Guyton, we just don't know if he's healthy. Yeah. Um, if he were fully healthy and, you know, the other t- two guys ahead of him were not maybe on the roster or whatever, um, you know, I think you put him in the average starter range. But for now, I think you have to put both of those guys in role player backup. Cool. Sounds good. And then we have Hightower and Doss roster bubble. Yeah, 100%. And that's it for receivers. I think. Yeah. Look, look at this receiving core. Look, we have players and there's more than two. It's nice. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, feel it's good more about than this? two. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an upgrade from last year. A little bit, a little bit. Okay, uh, should we do Eckler next? Sure, let's do it. Okay. So, obviously, there's been a lot of negativity around Austin Eckler. Um, and I get it. You know, people don't love the whole um, trade request thing. One of the things that's been interesting in, in watching the 2021 stuff for me, again, is that the way that Austin Eckler was used in the passing game was drastically different over the past two seasons. Mm. Some of that's by necessity, right? Like they wanted to keep Austin Eckler more in the backfield to pass protect because he's a great pass protector. It's a very Mm. underrated aspect of his game. Um, So it was a lot more checkdowns. But if you go back and watch in 2021, he's running wheel routes from the backfield. He's running slants from out wide. He's running uh crossers and digs like the way that he runs routes i think was very underutilized in 2022 so i think that is something that kellen moore is going to be a little bit more in tune in 2023 unmute hmm. last year we had it as like top it's funny because last year we had the a tier as top 10 and that's where i put eckler but now we have it as Pro Bowl contender, and it's literally the only thing he can't accomplish in his career. <laughs> so, you know, I guess it depends. Really, like, I guess he is a contender. It's just he was close. Like, he was an alternate. Was he like first alternate? I think he was second alternate. 
Someone in the chat, let, let us know if uh, I guess I can Google it. AFC Pro Bowl alternates 2023. Looking at Sports Illustrated. Oh, God, I forgot they did, like, a longest drive thing this year for the Pro Bowl. Okay, this doesn't have alternates. Um, There we go, NFL.com. That'll have it. I was looking for this a few days ago, so if you actually know where it is, great. NFL.com didn't have the alternates. That's okay. I can't find it. I know he was an alternate, though. I'm, I'm, I know he was at least in the alternate category. Mm-hmm. All good. Alrighty. So Austin Eckler. Well, he's he's easily a quality starter. Yeah. Is he a Pro Bowl contender? That's tough for me. Like, I think you look at running backs in the AFC. Mm-hmm. And Eckler's definitely the best receiver of an AFC running back. We know he's going to have the fantasy community behind him. It's never helped. Yeah, but it, it, it at least makes him a Contend. potential option, I think. Mm-hmm. But yes, as Isabel said in the chat, if there's an A minus category, yeah, like this, I'd imagine her like A minus would be perfect. I would feel comfortable moving into Pro Bowl contender though. So, AFC running backs, it's I mean, you got Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. all guys I would say are clearly better than him. Uh, and that's no slight to him. I think those guys are elite backs, right? Mm-hmm. Jonathan um, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor will be back healthy this year. He was not healthy mm-hmm. last year. Um, you've got Travis Etienne maybe coming into his own this year. He had a thousand yards last season. Damian Pierce, Ramondre mm-hmm. Stevenson's a very popular running back to take like that next level. Isaiah mm-hmm. Pacheco had a great postseason run. It's tough, man. The AFC running back group is is tough. Yeah, Brees Hall and the Jets, good call. So if all pro is like, let's say top two of your position, three at worst. Yeah. Pro Bowl contender, top five? You'd have to, because you get three three running backs in the Pro Bowl. So you have to be at least top eight, I would say. I, I think Eckler could fit in there. I, okay. I think that's fine. Okay. So top eight, I'm cool with it. Uh, that makes sense to me. Cool. Alrighty then. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And a bunch of running backs. Any running backs? Do you want to just go through the whole? Sure. Um, I'm cool with Kelly as a starter with upside. Um, yeah, I think he played fantastic last season. He just did not get the opportunities. Um, but if you go back and watch his film, even after the injury, um, I, I thought Joshua Kelly was was playing really well when given the chance to play. It was just yeah, opportunities were far and few between. So I, I'm cool with him as starter with upside. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then Spiller as role player or backup because he's not an average. There's nothing suggesting he's an average starter at this point. And no, that's like an opportunity issue right now. Like we can we can be optimistic about him. Yeah. Um, you know, but we I mean, how many carries did he even have last year? Like 12? If that, maybe. So like Jorge and it says he's he's so unproven. I think there's yeah. definitely the chance for him to improve and climb up this list, mm-hmm. but we just haven't seen really anything from him. Yeah. I guess I would put Xander in the D roster bubble, or excuse me, role player backup category too. I kind of thought he could be more of a starter, but he just disappeared. So I think that's kind of where he's at. I don't think he's in danger of being cut. No. Kellen Moore hasn't used a fullback in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. So uh, Xander's going to have to figure out a different way to, you know, differentiate himself to make the roster. I don't think he's going to get cut because he was just drafted. Mm-hmm. But if he's going to get a role on offense, he's got to figure out a way to maybe be like the second pass protecting back. You know what I mean? And sure, do something like that. Special um, for those who <laughs> can't tell, that is Larry Rantry, who uh, Tyler just put on the roster bubble. Um, was definitely uh, zoomed in picture there. Yeah, there's a couple of those. That's all right. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, that's it for the running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, are we saving Justin Herbert until the end? Is that what we're doing right now? Let's do. Uh, you want to do the tight ends next? Yeah, and then we can do Herbert. Let everybody go to bed early. We can talk about Lyman. Everybody <laughs> log off. <laughs> okay, let's do Jared Everett here. All right. Um, I didn't prepare as many statistics for for Everett. I honestly kind of forget that he was pretty good last year mm-hmm. um so where are you at with everett right now i think when you watch him in some games where you go holy shit that guy's taking over the game you, I, for me i have to put him an average starter with upside because i quality starter could also apply here i think but then if i'm thinking of him in the same tier as like a, a mike williams or Ruby, almost at austin eckler i don't know if he's quite there um i do think 
because he doesn't have a strong blocking element, that doesn't make him like a quality starter, like an every down sort of guy. But the upside, like you saw in the Jacksonville Jaguars game, what do you have, 100-something yards, um, was practically carrying that team at a certain point. I think average starter with upside is fair. And I, I could hear an argument for quality starter. Man, the the drop-off at tight end is so funny. Travis Kelsey had 110 catches. And the next most in uh, in the AFC, because I still have the AFC filter on, next most in the AFC was Evan Ingram with 73. Yeah, Travis Kelsey needs to just stop. <laughs> Dude, he had 40, basically 1,400 yards last year. That's crazy. That's disgusting. Um, okay, so Jared Everett finished with 82 catches, 50, or uh, excuse me, 82 targets, 58 catches. Um, 58 catches was eighth in the league, tied with David Njoku and Tyler Conklin. Um, yards, he was 11th with 555 and the four touchdowns. Um, obviously, his calling card has kind of been yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been getting rid of the guys who like barely touched the ball. Um, in terms of tight ends with at least 50% of their targets, he was fifth. So he was only behind Ingram, Kittle, and Kelsey. Um, first downs generated. He was, that was kind of not a great one for him. So ninth. I think you could call Jared Everett like comfortably a tight, uh, top 15 tight end. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think quality up, quality uh, starter with upside, I think is fair for him. Cool. And... Um, Donald Parham. Parham's been another fun one to rewatch from 2021 because he did Mm. some great things as a blocker and then also Mm -hmm. just his ability to make plays after the catch. So I think I would put Parham as an average starter. I'm fine with that. Okay. Yep. He's the one. uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Trey McKitty's another zoomed in one. Honestly, man, like he should be like a bubble player, but yeah, they can't cut him. They don't have a choice. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I think role player backup for McKitty just out of necessity. Yeah, I think that's fair. If they sign one more guy, he's potentially off the roster entirely. But that's fine. Is this Stone Smart forty eight? Yeah, he's bubble for sure. Bubble. That's it for tight ends, I believe. Yep. Okay. Let's clean out the bubble one. Uh, you can put Hymas on the roster bubble too. He's next to Herbert right now. Um, I guess Duggan. I mean, Duggan as a as D. Yeah, Stick maybe also next to him because I would not put Stick as an average starter. <laughs> I have Duggan and Stick. Okay, yeah, they're literally backups, but like they're not really roster bubble guys either. But there are, I mean, they're backups by nature of the fact yeah. that they're it. <laughs> I refuse to put them past roster bubble. Yeah. I mean, realistically, somebody like Max Duggan should be on the roster bubble, but the, again, they're not going to cut him. So, yeah. Um, Foster Sorrell, you can put as I think he should be roster bubble, but again, they don't have any other tackles. He's it. <laughs> so, um, Okay, right, we'll, we'll I'm talk about the pick up later. to here then. There, he's he is the backup. <laughs> okay, so I guess that's where he goes. <laughs> okay, um, all right. So, in preparation for the show, I was obviously looking at some of Justin Herbert's statistics. This is officially Herbert time. 
Um, the everybody's doing quarterback lists now. Everybody's doing rankings, and everybody's talking about you know who can challenge Mahomes and things like that. And I find it uh, very convenient that nobody really ever talks about the fact that Justin Herbert literally had cracked ribs for like two months of the season. <laughs> Um, it's been frustrating. Like nobody, like people will talk about the wide receiver thing. Like people talk about like him throwing to mm-hmm. Michael Bandy and DeAndre Carter, but nobody Even ever then. brings up his own injury, like as a reason that maybe he struggled a little bit. Still, he was second in the league in passing yards last season. He was tied for eighth in touchdowns. He had the ninth most big time throws according to PFF, and he was twentieth in percentage, so a little bit of a drop off there. Um, he had the lowest turnover worthy percentage in the league. He was second in adjusted completion percentage and he was, uh, he was a terrible fourth in pressure to sack rating. He was, uh, he regressed to fourth. He was first last year. He was fourth this year. So statistically, like you hear all of that and you're like, oh, that's like a clearly a top five guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But like the way that he is talked about on social media, as well as, you know, some sports shows, they talk about him as if he's like, like barely top 10, you know, and the narratives around Justin Herbert are really, really frustrating right now um, because nobody mentions the injury. And then like, he has the statistics. I understand. Like if you value winning that much, I think you're ridiculous, but that's really Mm -hmm. it. That's the only argument people have against Justin Herbert is like, Oh, they they didn't want a playoff game yet. Yeah. Uh, That literally is it. And that's why, you know, I think I would understand why someone would have him at two. I understand also why someone would have him at four. I think that's as low as I could rank him, to be honest. But listen, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, the stats are at least comparable. Sometimes it's better. And last year it was in many respects. So, and they did go further and they have gone farther in the postseason. So I would understand why he'd be fourth. Um, he kind of falls into like, I don't know. Herbert for me is like third, but I don't know which of Burrow or, or, or Allen that he beats out. Um, he's definitely not first, but I think he's in a tier where he could be considered third. What do you think? Yeah, I think obviously Mahomes is, is the best quarterback in the league. That's, that's not, you know, a hot take. Um, all pro is is tough for me unless like the Chargers are like the one seed. I I would have a hard time thinking he would get yeah. an all pro nominee. Um, I think that Josh Allen is the second best quarterback in the league. I know he had a little bit of, of a down stretch to end the season. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about Burrow and Herbert. Some people will put Aaron Rodgers in that conversation because he's you know motivated again or whatever. I'm not at that <laughs> point. <laughs> I think motivation is probably a key factor of, of how you play. Um, <laughs> Jalen Hurts in the top five is still rich for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it depends who you have between Burrow and Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, the safe bet here is to put him as a Pro Bowl contender because he's absolutely one of the best six quarterbacks in the league. Easily. And that's what a Pro Bowl quarterback is. Each, each roster gets six quarterbacks. So safe call is Pro Bowl contender. I think I'm not like a wins guy, but like I do think we need to see him prove it in the playoffs. Yeah. To put him over a guy like Josh Allen as second. So for me, I would still have, I would have Justin Herbert as a Pro Bowl contender. 
but I think he has a much stronger case than Keenan or Eckler. Oh, easily. And I mean, he could be the best quarterback this year. Maybe not like I would still have Mahomes overall ranked higher, but yeah, it's just going to be significantly different. It feels like this year, but it's, everything just matches so well. The philosophy is changing. He's not injured. You know, again, it, we all say this and then things happen, of course. Yeah. Um, but I do agree with you that he does need to sometimes just by carrying the entire team all the way and dragging them to wins. He does have to win games this year. They yeah. do need to make the postseason. They don't have to win the division because, again, Mahomes is quarterback one. And it's it's crazy that he's in his own tier. But they do have to win. And I think that if they do not get that done this year, I'll still keep Herbert in this category. But let's say the Jaguars make an AFC championship or the Eagles are again really good and Hurts takes them to another Super Bowl. You know, you're going to see him start to slip into like that. I don't know. Matt Stafford throughout his career at the Lions sort of category where it's like, yeah, you know, he's really good but they got to win and that's it probably might not even be his gosh darn fault. Right. But there's just, there is a point where there's so much quarterback talent and these guys are so good now that you do have to start getting those wins too. And I think that, you know, it needs to happen for him to hang around in this top three, top four. Um, The numbers will probably be excellent this year, but he does have to get those wins. Um, It might just come down to him just, Whatever it is, willing the team to whatever, taking more chances, taking some difficult hits, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, as people pointed out, that does sound a lot like Philip Rivers, unfortunately. Um, yeah. You know, Justin has a great chance to earn an All Pro nomination this year. You know, um, yeah. the numbers are going to be fantastic. He's got a great receiving core. Um, it's a similar conversation to how we talked about, you know, his MVP odds, like. Mm-hmm. Of course, like he has a great chance. You know, things have to fall the team's way a little bit here for him to earn that all pro nomination. I think like the opinion of him can definitely change without winning the division title. Mm-hmm. But for him to get an all pro, like I think he, he like they have to be they have to beat the Chiefs mm-hmm. or you know, they have to win 12, 13 games, you know, because I think like People already have that track record of Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson is back this year. You know, there's no really, there's really no one in the NFC. Maybe Dak, but the Cowboys mm-hmm. would have to go like 15 and two for Dak to get an All Pro, I think. Um, so, I, like, Justin is unfortunately in this like conversation where it's like everybody's vying for Mahomes and like being that second guy behind him. Mm-hmm. But the other teams can still win their division and like still get to host a playoff game and all this stuff, right? And so it's just it's a little tough for him individually, but I think the perception of him can definitely change. You get into the playoffs as a wild card team, you win a playoff game this year, then you can maybe you push the Chiefs in the round two or something like that, and people can kind of you know get back on board if they they were yeah. off. So. Um, he has a great chance for all pro, but the team has to like help get him across that finish line. Yeah. If he wants to win all pro, it starts week one because that's a huge narrative driven game. Then you got to beat the chiefs at least once. And you got to be, you got to be Buffalo. It really like whoever's not the Mahomes all pro might come down to that game. 
Yeah. Even if even if Herbert doesn't do all that well and they run the ball for 3000 yards, you know, for, for many voters, it just comes down to who won the game. And yeah. if Herbert, if Herbert beats, you know, you know the Bills and, and beats Josh Allen, I think that's who will be the second all pro. But can they do it? We're, we were more confident for some stupid reason. But <laughs> like we do have them beating the Chiefs ones. We do have them beating the Bills. So yeah. it is possible. And we had him beating the Dolphins. So it's definitely possible if his team holds up. Yeah. So he's just, from what I, I've heard from like actual like people who know what they're talking about, they kind of have him in like a third tier. So a lot of people will say Mahomes tier one, tier yeah. two right now is uh, Burrow and Allen. Like they have them in their own tier. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they have some combination of Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Some people out there who watch a ton of film really love Dak Prescott and have him in that same tier. I think that's a bit rich for me. Yeah. Um, so Herbert, in order to to you know ascend past that third tier, which he kind of seems to be in, the team has to win. Like that's the bottom yep. line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Herbert statistically this year is going to put up huge numbers. You know, totally. assuming most people stay healthy. Um, I think Kelmore's offense is going to be great for him. I think he has a great supporting cast. I think he's going to have a ton of statistics to to his name. It's just the wins is kind of that last piece. Yeah. I guess, thankfully, that the Bills will be more challenged in their division this year, I would assume. And the, uh, no, the Burrows, the Bengals are going to be more challenged in their division this year. So th- there yeah. is, thankfully, in the win-loss category, some, you know, ground the Chargers, less ground the Chargers might have to cover this year. Um, Yeah, man. We'll see. I- I'd love for him to be an easy all-pro tier for me. He's so good. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it, the, the narrative is going to start being those wins. And it's kind of the same. We, like people are talking about, it almost feels like Philip Rivers' career where you just start talking about, yep, Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, what did he win? And there's really not a lot I can say about that, you know? Yeah. Like, there's so much we can give with context, right? Like, did you watch the whole freaking career where he carried this team and they barely made it through some games? It was all because of him, you know? So ugh, we'll see. I don't know, man. I'm excited about this year. Yeah, the offense in particular is going to be a ton of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching him back in 2021, like, you know, there's there's so many fun games from 2021. Mm. Um, there's some fun games in 2022, obviously, but with the injury, it kind of limits things. But, like, watching back, you know, the first um, – the first Raiders game from 2022. I think that's a very underrated, like potentially best game of Herbert's career. Mm-hmm. He was, he was slinging it, man. Like he was playing at such a high level there. Um, I think he's going to be electric this year, but mm-hmm. you know, the Chargers have to help him out. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to some of these offensive line uh, players. Um, <laughs> On Tuesday on our draft show, I took Corey Lindsay over Joey Bosa, <laughs> which was probably a mistake looking back at it. Um, but you look at the statistics for Corey Lindsay, man, like he almost had a hundred like a hundred percent pass blocking efficiency rating. Nasty. He allowed five total pressures on eight hundred and sixty pass blocking snaps, which is insane. Basically, he's allowing a pressure every seventy five snaps uh, over the last couple of seasons. So, um, he said this week that he feels great. He feels very healthy. Um, to me, like worst case scenario, he's a Pro Bowl contender. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there are some other centers who have a lot of like hype just because they play on better teams like Jason Kelsey and Creed Humphrey, for example. Totally. Um, but Corey Lindsley should be getting an all pro more all pro consideration, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He's just he's such a great leader. He's so good on par with the best centers around the league. Um, the value that he brings to this team is fantastic. So I wish he could be more seriously considered all pro, but that's also kind of tied to team success, you know. So it's just it's hard for him to get ahead of those guys like Jason Kelsey and Creed Humphrey, even if I think he's on par with them. Yeah, I would agree. I'm always surprised to see Brennan Thorne put him at like sixth or seventh among centers. Yeah, I've never understood that one, honestly. Yeah, maybe it's a a type or something. I don't know. Um, is Corey like an enforcer? Not really. Maybe that's more Thorne's type. Yeah, I don't know, but Pro Bowl contender for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you, just before we move on, what do you make in terms of like his timeline? Because I know some people are a little bit more concerned about his, you know, knee tendonitis and his long-term health. I still think we we get at least two more years of of high-level elite play from Corey, but what do you think there? I want to check out his contract first. <laughs> okay, so they have him... Honestly, he's pretty cheap. Should be three years, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's a this year and then two more years after that. Um, and you really don't save a whole lot by cutting him. I mean, so I, I think you, I think you get two more years as long as he is as healthy as he says he is. And I mean, one wasn't one game last year food poisoning. Yes. Yes, and he, it was. So as long Where as he said he had that. like a hundred and five degree fever. <laughs> Disgusting. It's so oh bad. My God. I, I need to know where that was, Corey, because I do not want to go eat there. Yeah. I think that the Chargers now, granted, doesn't mean they're always geniuses with depth, but I kind of feel like they showed how they felt about Corey with the draft and with free agency. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I'll bring Will you know, Will Clap back. We do need a backup, but that's it. You know, we, we talked about them maybe looking at a center. Um, which would have I would have totally got too, but they didn't go after anybody. And that's it. It's just it's just will clap. So unless Zion is somehow playing center, um, I think they feel good about him this year. And I I think I don't see any reason. You know what's his uh, pressures given at the last two seasons? Like nine? Is it even double digits? <laughs> um, let me look real fast. It's like five and four. It's or... Five, yeah, five this year, uh, four last year. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and he played every game last year, you know. So that's um that's thirty games. He's allowed nine pressures. Yeah, that's nasty. So, I think definitely one year, but you you know you play it smart, see what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see if he feels like his knees are fine, and they've done a pretty good job managing it overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think two more years at least. Yeah, they'll manage his reps throughout camp as they always do, but. Um, you know, Nita Nice isn't necessarily something that sticks with you. You know, it is possible that he's over that. And he sounds he said he sounds like he's great. So um, okay, let's put some of the backups in the backup tier. Obviously, like Jordan McFadden is gonna make the roster. They just drafted him. Um, but we don't know what he is right now. Um, mm-hmm. Will Clap is a backup, although I think he gets too much hate on social media. I'm just gonna say that. I, I think that he played fine last year. As mm-hmm. a backup center, like I think he's 
you know, people love Scott Questenberry for different reasons because he was from there and a fan of the team growing up and stuff like that. Mm. But I think Will Clapp is a is a solid backup center. Yeah, me too. All right, so we have uh, Jamari, Zion, and Trey left. Mm. Um, mm. We talked about Trey on our underrated show. Mm. Um, where would you put him in this exercise? Mm-hmm-hmm. It's almost feels so sight unseen because you you didn't get to see a lot of him throughout his career, yet it's kind of indisputable that he was top 20, maybe even top 15 last year, obviously when he was on the field. So I think his floor would be average startup with upside. I think that's fair. But then there were so many games where he was a legit quality starter. I feel okay. So it doesn't suit. It doesn't fit to call him an average starter with upside. But he's he's like an above average starter with upside or something. So, so you feel like he'd be in between these two. Kind of, yeah. Like, like I a feel B like minus. <laughs> yeah, right. Because, like, he's not in Joshua Kelly tier. No offense. Um, and he's certainly proven more and, and been in more of an upper tier. Uh, I'll go quality starter. Screw it. Yes. Yes, I agree. I think that's going to be uh, a take that not a lot of people agree with. But, um, I mean, he was playing on one knee for half this season and he was top 25 in in pass blocking efficiency rating. Um, so I think he can get better, man. I do like, you know, a healthier season from him means that he's really able to drive off of that leg and, you know, run block at a higher level. Um, and I think he was run blocking at a pretty high level last year. So um, shock of the season. If you had told me this a year ago, I think we had him like uh role player or backup. <laughs> uh, so he's moved up three tiers, but, um, I can understand why some people would say he's only done it for one year. Yeah. You, you're a little bit too optimistic on him, but man, I, like so impressive week in and week out trying to, you know, manage a, a sprain MCL on your inside plant leg. That, that's so difficult as an offensive tackle. And, uh, I mean, he managed it well, man. Like he had some really good games. He never really had like a bad game. Um, so I think Trey Pipkins is a quality starter at this point. I think it's underrated. Like he didn't even make the top 32 for PFFs, which I disagree with, but, mm. um, quality starter. Yeah. And when he started the season before the injury, it, I would have said easily quality starter. It was just kind of up and down after that because of the injuries. All right. I guess the, the one of the tougher ones that I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad we saved him for last is Jamari Sawyer and Zion Johnson. How do we figure those two out? Sorry, um, I, just, I just moved them up onto the board real quick. Yeah, um, you're good. Um, Jamari Sawyer obviously saved the Chargers' ass last year <laughs> playing as a left tackle. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you look at the numbers, they're not like like they're good. But people have are talking about him as if he was like amazing last year. Mm-hmm. And what he did was amazing. Yes. He was not amazing. I think it's a very important differentiator. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you put Jamari moving to guard now? That is the big question mark, right? Because not only is he not playing left tackle, he's not playing left guard, he's playing right guard. So I think that actually kind of maybe you feel like they could knock Zion too. Um, but I would put Jamari at average starter because there's just a there's just so much unknown. I mean, he literally has not played um that position for the Chargers in the NFL. 
So I, I don't know what to expect from him. Um, I could see him with upside too, because he's probably going to be a better guard than a. T- I mean, I hope he is. Because if those numbers pop up a guard, he's not a good guard. Like it's just as simple as that. Um, because he had what forty-eight pressures allowed last year, granted at tackle, where he yeah, didn't practice so at all. It was, it was forty-eight. He was tied for forty-fifth in pass blocking efficiency rating. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, seventh out of twelve in his rookie class. Um, he was you know second most, which it, you know he pass blocked more than anybody else in the class. Totally. Um. So like it again, the numbers at tackle are fine. Like it was, you know, Jamari successfully was a a decent starter at tackle. We know that he can be, you know, at least have a high floor at tackle Mm -hmm. Um, at guard. I feel better about him at guard than I do at tackle. Totally. I do think there is more upside there than just putting him at average starter. Mm -hmm. The question is really like, we haven't seen him do it yet. That's my holdup. So I think almost like I, I feel good about him. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not concerned about him, but we just haven't seen him play guard in the NFL outside of the preseason games. Yeah. And that's the holdup for me because I think almost by definition, he's an average starter with upside, but we haven't seen him do this thing in the NFL yet. Um, and then if I'm just looking at the two guys, I would put Zion at guard where he's played and been yeah. playing a tier above him would I put Zion in quality starter yet I don't think so mm-hmm. um but average starter with upside would be easy and frankly when you're not your quarterback's not hurt and you're not playing between Will Clapp and Foster Serrell and your offensive coordinator can actually call some plays um I mean I, I think Zion's the guy that you see ascend um a couple of tiers this year I don't know how pro bowl voting works for guards um <laughs> does anybody vote for anybody different i have no idea sometimes you just latch on to guys yeah um but i think like zion's ascension this year was especially next to like slater between him and lindsley gonna be awesome but uh, zion feels like another hot take for us versus the internet maybe and that that just really comes down to not that it's this simple but it feels like it comes down to did you watch him play all the snaps or did you read pro football focus and watch the live games? And like, that's fine. Like if you watch the live games and you use the numbers, I totally get why he would be, you'd be disappointed, but then just watching on film, I just can't help but sit there and go, Jesus Christ, this is the best guard play I've seen um, from a guard <laughs> in, a, in a long time for the chargers and F and a there's a sack. Yeah, he like we talked about during the season. He always had just like that one mistake at, at a bad time, and would, and it would you know wreck a run player or end up in a sack. But mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at like what is a, an average starter at guard. You know that that's what Zion was last year. You know, and you're talking about somebody who was uh, around the forty range in pass blocking efficiency rating. Um, he was. Third, he had the third best rating of his class, you know, out mm-hmm. of nine qualified guards. So you look at all the guards in the NFL and all the rookies that were drafted, only nine of them, you know, hit a snap qualifier. Mm-hmm. And Zion was third in terms of pass blocking efficiency rating. Um, I said this throughout the season last year. He was the focal point of their run game. Like they, this is the team that had Corey Lindsley at center. Zion was their run game focal point. And that was a big shift. Obviously, Rashawn Slater being injured changes that, right? Like, if Rashawn is healthy, he's the focal point. Um, but that was Zion last year. 
And, you know, right tackle was in and out. You know, he was playing next to Foster Sorrell. He was Trey Pipkins one game, back to Foster. Um, He played next to Will Clapp for stretches of the season at center. So it's not like Zion came in and had, like, this amazing situation. Um, And he played at at an average starter level. And that's not a slight. Like, I think, you know, that's a a solid rookie season for an offensive lineman. Um, Now he's back to his normal left guard position. He is playing next to Slater instead of Trey Pipkins and Foster Sorrell. Again, we have Trey as a quality starter. We have Trey, we have Rashawn Slater as potentially the best left tackle in football. It's <laughs> a different level here. Mm-hmm. So I think things are going to be better for him. And Kellen Moore's rushing attack is going to be significantly better here. Like this is the aspect of things that people should get really excited about is the way that they are talking about the run game, they being the offensive lineman. Like Corey Lindsay mm-hmm. said this week, you know, last year they didn't really have an identity. They didn't have like a scheme. They had some runs that they liked, but there wasn't like any kind of consistency to the run game. And now you're talking about a, a guy like Kelmore is going to come in and have that identity, be able to really lean into the things that they're good at. And the things that Rashawn Slater is good at are the things that Zion Johnson is good at. And it's going to be a pairing made in heaven, man. I, mm-hmm. I am so excited to see it. I would not be shocked if we're talking about Zion as a Pro Bowl contender at yeah. this time next year. But right now we have to have him as average star with upside because we need to see more of him before we put him as a quality starter uh, at, at this point in time right now. Yeah, I'd agree. I love watching all the social media stuff and you see it's Rashawn Slater and Zion next to each other all the time hanging out. Mm-hmm. Zion stealing his ring pop or whatever. Like <laughs> it's they're just gonna go together, they're going to be utilized together. Clearly, you only move Zion over there. If you feel like you can do something special with that duo, it's just gonna I tell you what, man. I can't remember the last time I was excited for a, a one-two like that because I don't remember them ever having somebody with this much two guys, and then that Lindsley guy with this much upside, this much talent, with this much good film in the run game in particular. It's just going to be magic, man. It's going to be magic. I'm, I'm more excited to watch that than any other part of the offense, to be honest. Wow. All right. Um, I, yeah, I would say Dealman and Hardrick probably the last pairing. Like, I mean, that was a guard and a center, right? But, um, you know, Zion and, and Rashawn, they seem to have a great chemistry already. You know, Rashawn talked about in his press conference that they have like lifting competitions and Zion's a tank in the weight room. And so is Rashawn Slater, man. Like we mm-hmm. saw the video of Rashawn front squatting all of that. So um, that's an exciting thing that people should be really looking forward to. Um, I-, I know that there's a lot of negative takes about Zion Johnson, but um, he's an average starter with upside right now. And I think we could see him climb two tiers for this time next year. Yeah, I think so. In the sense that pff, Herbert needs, wins perhaps zion just needs to clean up the stat sheet and then it's 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 pretty obvious to me because he's so excellent on film for the most part yeah um all right so just a quick recap here um sorry (laughs) i should have said that before um but it's all good you know uh, i'll do my best to wing it obviously we had rashawn slater and at an all pro level um pro bowl contenders we had keenan allen austin eckler justin herbert and Corey lindsley Quality starters were Mike Williams and uh, thank you, sir. Uh, yeah. Mike Williams and Trey Pipkins. I almost had it off the top. Um, average starters with upside. We had Quentin Johnson, Josh Palmer, uh, Joshua Kelly, Gerald Everett, and Zion Johnson. Average starters, Donald Parham and Jamari Sawyer. And then everybody else we have either enrolled player or backup or roster bubble. So 
Um, Tyler, any final thoughts here from this exercise? Kind of what we started with um, the receiving core, just be able to put a guy in Pro Bowl contender, quality starter, and then two guys in average starter with upside feels really good um, to feel that good about, you know, your two main guys, of course, and then to feel so good about Palmer and, and feel, especially after watching him in camp, so great about Quentin Johnston. You got Herbert here. You've got, you know, your offensive line, your best player on your team, as we've kind of argued, is is Slater. And right behind him is Corey Lindsley. And then we feel like Pipkins is a quality starter. Um, and you have two ascending guards that I, I frankly think can be better than their placements on here. Like, you can't help but feel good about this offense. We we picked them to go, what, 11 and 6? We did yeah. our little breakdown. And that's really because of this offense. Like, there's so much talent. And this coordinator is so good and everybody looks so happy. Everything's going so well, you know? Yeah. Um, we'll see how we feel about the defensive side of things, of course. I think that one's more like stars and scrubs, as as uh, Daniel Popper kind of put it. Um, but there's just a lot of talent on this offense, and that's what they've gone for. If nothing else, in Telesco's tenure, they've always been a solid offense. It's just kind of the rest of the team that's been hit or miss. Yeah, this offensive talent is is really fun to look forward to. I mean, there's some concerns at tight end, right? But like mm-hmm. the starters, the like 11 personnel for the Chargers is an electric unit. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously you have to hope for health, but you know, they've got depth at most of these positions that you feel good about. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I would love a, a better swing tackle and a better blocking tight end. You know, it's probably being a little picky at this point. <laughs> um <laughs> But the depth is fantastic as well. So I the hype for the offense is is through the roof right now. Yeah, man. Um, hopefully the defense can kind of piece some things together. But the offense is going to be a lot of fun. So um, we'll we'll get to the Stars and Scrubs unit uh, on <laughs> Saturday for the defensive players. And we'll figure out uh, where those guys stack up. So um, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, definitely did not think that this many people would be in the chat at this point in time at 9.15 or midnight if you're on the East Coast. Uh, so appreciate everybody for tuning in. So we'll be going live on Saturday to do the defense. Uh, we'll let you guys know exactly when uh, through Twitter and stuff like that. But appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate Tyler for uh, the thoughts and his time today. And uh, stay tuned tomorrow for his interview with Morgan Fox. That'll do it for us tonight. We'll see you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.